things that are going on in other countries because it's so far away and yet <clears throat> whether they're Christians or not, they're people. They're real lives. And uh, it's heartbreaking, you know, when you see what's going on. <clears throat> well, after a 10-week hiatus, a 10-week break from the, wor- from the book of Acts, we are in the book of Acts, back into the book of Acts. I have been excited. I mean, I was excited for all that happened uh, this, this past summer. Um, God was truly faithful and ministered to our hearts. I know uh, the challenges that the Lord brought upon my heart, even with all the brothers that were sharing through the Sermon on the Mount. Um, if you were attending, you know, I, I, I just think it's like, you know, if there's stuff that the Lord spoke to you about in the Sermon on the Mount, the times that you were here, you should write them down and let me see them <laughs> or talk to me about them. Because I would love to hear testimony of how God ministered to you and changed you through the Sermon on the Mount. Because I'll tell you, I know the teachers, the guys that taught, God touched each one of them, not just in their portion, but throughout their reading. And so um, if there's a testimony, I want to hear it. And maybe we can share it with everybody. But we are back in the book of Acts and we are in chapter 21. I was just telling somebody earlier that we have been in the book of Acts since January of 2012. Um, But, hey, it's not all my fault uh, because we've had some breaks along the way, like we just had a 10-week break, right? And last year we did another series and we've had family nights and we've had other things happening. Um, But be that as it may, we are still in the book of Acts. And we left off with the Apostle Paul finishing up his third missionary journey. And on this third missionary journey, the focus was on the city of Ephesus. The focus was basically the, 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 the church in Ephesus, but the city as a whole, because as he starts this third missionary journey, he, he begins his journey, and within a few verses from where he took, took off from Antioch, we see him in in Ephesus, and it was almost like the writer of Acts skipped all that other stuff that happened because the focus was Ephesus. And Paul ended up spending about three years in Ephesus. Paul didn't spend a lot of time in a lot of places. I mean, when he got back from his second missionary journey, he wasn't even home a year before he is ready to go out and go minister back to the brothers and sisters that he had touched and he had ministered to. So he was ready to go. But for some reason, he stayed in Ephesus for a while. And I like that. I like that Paul was not afraid to be in the city of Ephesus. The city of Ephesus was like dark. It was perverted. It was occultish. And he did not like, oh, it's, it's too scary. It's too dark. I can't go there. I feel darkness. It's like, dude, there's darkness. I want to go. I want to go where the darkness is at. Not so he could be a part of the darkness, so he could be a light in that city. And it's interesting because that church that was there was, was thriving. It was growing. There were things that were happening. But it says in that, that whole missionary part of, of his time there that the whole city and the surrounding areas knew about what was happening with Paul and what he was doing. So he wasn't like in this little Christian bubble. It's like, let's stay away from the sinners. No, he was out and about and he was in 
among the darkness, among the people that needed Jesus. And the people that were surrounding Paul were also out doing the work because they weren't isolated. They were separated from the world, but they didn't isolate themselves. And, and to me, I think that's important for us. I, I know that I work here at church. I, I work with people that are saved. And it's like, you guys are, are, are outgoing to people that are not saved. And you're going, oh, I wish I worked with a bunch of Christians. It's like, why? They're all saved. You should be around people that aren't saved. So you could be a light around them. You know, I've often said, and I don't know if it's right or wrong for me to say it, but I'll say it. You should be around some cussing at least once a week. Just because, dude, I know some of you guys, oh my gosh, it's like, no, really, really, those are the people that need Jesus. Those are the people, don't get all shocked when somebody says something. You know, it's almost like, oh, my virgin ears. It's like, really, you've never said anything in your life? Bless you if you haven't. But, but again, it's like Paul was not afraid to be in a city like Ephesus that was dirty, that was perverted, that was dark. Because he knew that's where he needed to be in the darkness because he was the light. And again, don't take it the wrong way. It's like, oh, I need to go be around cussing people. But again, just don't be like, don't trip out. Don't get all scared because people cuss in front of you. It's like right on. You're among the people that Jesus would be among. Um, And and so because he spent so so much time in Ephesus... um, Paul had a special heart for these people. He really, really did. And for the church of Ephesus, so much so that at one point he sends his dear son in the faith, Timothy, to go to this place. And even though Timothy was having a hard time there, he encouraged them, stay. You need to stay there, Timothy. Don't walk out on these people. They need you. And, and again, he wrote a letter to the Ephesians, one of my favorite books of the Bible. Um, but Paul... The time that he spent in Ephesus wasn't easy. It wasn't easy at all, but it was good. It was rich. There was, there was fruit that came out of his life, out of his ministry. Granted, the majority of the people didn't get saved, but they knew about Paul. They knew what he was all about. And guys, granted, the people that you are around, most of them will not get saved, but I hope that they see the light in your life. I hope because you've been around them that they will trip out, that person was different than that person, or that person is different than me. And Paul, again, he put himself out there among the people that, that were, weren't saved. That, that church was established there. Or there was a church that was established there. And that local church had its struggles, just like any church. But God was glorified through that church for so many years. And even though that church no longer exists, there's nothing but ruins in that place, we still benefit from Ephesus. We still benefit because Paul went. We get to read the letters that he wrote. We get to see how Timothy ministered to those people and had a heart for these people who were in darkness and perverted. He wasn't afraid to be there, and we should not be afraid to go and stand up for the gospel out there. And so after an uproar that had happened, a near riot, um, after three years of being there um, in Ephesus, the Ephesians, they had seized some of Paul's friends, some of his companions, and they were threatening them. And it was at that time that Paul decided, okay, it's time to leave. But understand, he wasn't running 
It was just time. God had told them, however he ministered to him, it was time to move on. And so he did that, and he was obedient to that. But, but Paul never left because he was afraid. He, was, he, he did not care what would happen to him. He was going to preach the gospel, and when he felt he was done, that the Lord was done with him, in that place, he was ready to move on. And he did. And he went to visit other churches that he had started in Macedonia and Achaia, which would be like Philippi and the uh, Thessalonica and, and the Cor- Corinth church. And I'm sure that he stopped in, in Berea and Athens as well because he stopped in those places. He had time with some of the believers there. Um, and so he was going to, and, and if you look at your map, the Ephesus is right here and you have to go across the Aegean Sea and then down south to Corinth. And from Corinth, he was going to make a beeline back to Syria, back to or, or Jerusalem area. And he wanted to go from there. But there was a plot to kill him on the boat. And so he decided to backtrack and, and, and revisit everybody. And, but he was going to come back down by the city of Ephesus, but he didn't want to stop because he wanted to make it back to Jerusalem for Pentecost or the Passover. And when he knew it wasn't going to be time for the Passover, he would make it for the Pentecost, which was 50 days later after that. And so instead of going to Ephesus, he goes to a place called Miletus, which was about 30 miles south. And, and he lands there and he calls for the Ephesian elders to come. And man, you could read verse tw- or chapter 20 and it, was, it is probably one of the most amazing farewells. There was a lot of sorrow that came because Paul had told them that he, they would never see his face again and they were saddened by it. And so chapter 21, beginning in verse 1, It says, And it came to pass that when he had departed from them, he sailed, running a straight course, we came to Kaz, and the following day to Rhodes, and from there to Patera. And finding a ship sailing over to Felicia, we went aboard and set sail. When we had sighted Cyprus, we passed, we passed it on the left, sailing, sailed to Syria and landed in Tyre. For there was a ship, uh, for there the ship was unloading her cargo. And finding disciples, we stayed there seven days. They told Paul through the Spirit not to go up to Jerusalem. When we had come to the end of those days, we departed and went on our way. And they all accompanied us, their wives and children, until we were out of the city. And we knelt down on the shore and prayed. When we had taken our leave of one another, we boarded the ship and they returned home. And when we had finished our voyage from Tyre, we came to Ptolemus, greeted the brethren, and stayed with them one day. On the next day, we who were Paul's companions departed and came to Caesarea and entered the house of Philip the evangelist, who was one of the seven and stayed with him. Now this man 
had four, da- four virgin daughters who prophesied. And as they stayed, as, and as we stayed many days, a certain prophet named Agabus came down from Jerusalem. When he had come to us, he took Paul's belt, bound his own hands and feet, and said, Thus says the Holy Spirit, So shall the Jews uh, at Jerusalem bind the man who owns this belt and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. And when we heard these things, we both with those from that place pleaded with him not to go to Jerusalem. Then Paul answered, What do you mean by weeping and breaking my heart? For I am ready not only to be bound but also to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. So when we would not when he so when he would not be persuaded, we ceased, saying, The will of the Lord be done. And after those days we packed and went up to Jerusalem. Also some of the disciples of uh, Caesarea went with us and brought with them a certain nation of of Cyprus, an early disciple with whom we were to lodge. Okay, going back to verse 1, where it says that it came to pass when we had departed from them. Now, because I am a sentimental kind of guy, I am very sensitive in departures like this and goodbyes. Um, I wanted to see how emotional uh, this might have been, knowing that that earlier he had given the Ephesian elders this farewell. And when he says we departed from them, he is talking about the Ephesian elders from Miletus. And so sure enough, I looked up the first part of this verse where it said depart. And I went into the, the, the Strong's Concordance, and it means to drag forth, that is literally unsheathe a sword, or relatively with a degree of force implied. It was a hard goodbye to where it was like they were dragging them on the ship and the people are going, don't go, Paul, don't go, you know, and it was like this, like, please don't leave us type thing. And then the... Thayer's uh, lexicon, it says, having torn ourselves from the embrace of our friends. It was such an emotional time for these guys. Again, this is how special Paul was to the Ephesians, that they did not want him to go, especially because when he said, you're not going to see my face anymore, it was like, please do not leave us. And I love the fact that this fellowship was so close that, man, one brother leaving or a group of people leaving was like tearing them apart. And, And so this departure was a hard departure. But I also like that as we look at these first three verses, the the writer, Luke, he gives us so many little details of all these little places that they they stopped at, that they passed by. And I know that it's so easy for us to just kind of overlook some of the details. When we start reading about a bunch of places that we will probably never see, that probably don't even exist as they did once, um, we'll never go visit these places. Um, I personally like these kinds of details when we're reading the scriptures. 
Because these kinds of details show us how much time all these things took. You see, we could read through the Scriptures, especially through the book of Acts, and man, a year has gone by in two verses. And you don't realize just how much time has been spent. And when you look at some of these places that they, that they departed and stopped at and spent the night and came again and did, and did all these things, it, it's like, man, it took a lot of time for them to get to one place to another because in the day and age that we live in, we can go from one place to another in a matter of minutes, in a matter of hours. If we really wanted to, we could be from here to the other side of the country within a day, or the, the other side of the world within a day. We can fly from one place to another. And, and, and again, I, I guess I want to put things in perspective because these things took time. We get upset if we stop at a red light and we're there for more than a minute. And it's like, oh, somebody push a button. Somebody run over the little thingy again to, so I can get going with my life because I need to get over there. You know, if we're, if we're traveling and we have a layover for more than an hour, it seems like eternity. And I guess I just want to share these things that, that these details are important because they didn't get from one place to the other in a day. It took them a while. You know, when they're starting, stopping at, at certain places and having to spend the night there and then another place, and then when they get to, to Padera, they actually probably were getting tired of stopping. They wanted a direct sail, you know, like a direct flight to uh, Felicia. And it was about a 400-mile journey. And that would take several days by ship to go. And again, they wouldn't get there in a few hours. It would take them a long time. And so there was time involved in all of these things. And so when they finally get to Tyre, which was about 200 miles south of where they had started from, which was um, Antioch in Syria. In verse, in verse 4, it says that they get to Tyre and he finds some disciples it almost sounds like it was a, a, a small group of believers because it wasn't group, a big group that was already expecting them. It was almost like they got there and now they had to look for these guys. But finding these guys, um, they get together. And it's an interesting fact here that these disciples, and for that matter, the, the, the church maybe that was there in Tyre, that church, those disciples came about because of the persecution that had happened in the early church in Jerusalem when the church got started. Within months and years, there was persecution that happened in Jerusalem where the church started and people started to scatter because of the persecution. Entire Felicia in that region was one of the places that people scattered to. So it's interesting that Paul now meets up with these guys because Paul, who was then Saul, was instrumental in all the persecution that was happening at that time. And, and so now he had caused them to scatter years ago before he was a believer. And now that he is a believer, he is trying to gather them together once again, you know, kind of bring them together. Um, and I just thought it was an interesting fact. And I thought, I wonder if any of those guys, any of those believers that have been there for a while, um, I wonder if they brought it up. I wonder if they like, hey, Paul, you know why we're believers? Because of you? When you were a heathen? 
when you were killing and persecuting the church? I wonder if anybody even brought, because I thought about it. <laughs> I thought, wow, that's interesting. You know, going back to chapter 2 or, or, or early on in, in Acts chapter 8 and stuff, where these people are being scattered. And I thought, man, Lord, that's amazing. That's amazing what could happen once somebody comes to the Lord. That at times you might have been at odds with one another and now you see somebody in church is like, dude, I know who you are, I know who you are. And it's like, but we're both believers, right? (laughs) Let's have some fellowship. (laughs) You know, it's almost like let's leave that outside those walls, right? But something here in verse 4, it says, they told Paul through the Spirit, not to go up to Jerusalem. I want to read you three different versions of how that says it. In the Amplified, it said, Prompted by the Holy Spirit, they kept telling Paul not to set foot in Jerusalem. The NIV says, Through the Spirit, they urged Paul not to go to Jerusalem. The New Living Translation says, These believers prophesied through the the Holy Spirit, that Paul should not go to Jerusalem. Somehow the Lord revealed to, to these people, laid it on their hearts, to tell Paul, Paul, you should not go to Jerusalem. Now understand this. The Lord had already laid it on Paul's heart to go to Jerusalem. A while back when he was on the third missionary journey, And even though there was some setbacks along the way, his heart was still to go to Jerusalem. Because in in Acts 19, when he's on his third missionary journey, this is what it says in verse 21. When these things were accomplished, Paul purposed in the Spirit, when he had passed through Macedonia and Achaia, to go to Jerusalem, saying, After I have been there, I must also see Rome. So there was something within Paul that the Lord had laid on his heart that he would be going to Jerusalem. Okay, now that he is getting closer to Jerusalem, the people are starting to tell them, tell him, Paul, you must not go to Jerusalem. Now, it kind of almost sounds like Paul is not supposed to go. Because all of a sudden, these people for seven days, they keep on telling him, don't go to Jerusalem. But the way I see it, (laughs) Paul knew that there would be trouble when he went to Jerusalem. He knew that. God had already revealed it to him that he would be in trouble when he got to Jerusalem. And so the Lord had already prepared him. So it is quite possible that the Holy Spirit revealed to these believers in Tyre that there would be trouble for Paul. In Jerusalem. And they took it upon themselves to protect Paul from any harm. So, I I, I think that any of us would do what these guys did in Tyre. I think, we can't blame them for, for telling them this. Because I think that if we knew that a brother or sister had a heart to go into a dangerous country, some of us would try to talk them out of going. Now I know that we would probably do it in a kind and gentle way, like, 
Have you really prayed about going to that country? You know, have you really been seeking the Lord? How long have you been seeking the Lord? Or we might not be that kind. We could just out and out just like, dude, are you crazy? They're killing Christians there. Why would you even think about going? You should not be going. I don't think this is of the Lord for you to go. (laughs) And I think oftentimes our mindset, some of us... (laughs) Our mindset is God wouldn't want His people to get hurt or even killed for the sake of the gospel, would He? <laughs> See, that's our mindset. And I, I, I think that the, the, the brothers entire that the Lord revealed to them that Paul would be in trouble when he got to Jerusalem. And so they are trying to dissuade him for seven days, but Paul is still persuaded in what he knew the Lord had told him to do. It almost sounds like, well, is he or isn't he supposed to go? Well, we'll get to that a little later. So after seven days, it says that that they departed. They, 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 they boarded another ship to take off. And I love this departure as well. I love that the, the fact that these people who didn't know Paul before he got there had fallen in love with this man, so much so that they are seeing him off at the port, <laughs> at the shore. They are going and they are, 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 are kneeling and praying with him. And so I had to look up that word, depart here, <laughs> to see if it was the same as the, the one we saw in verse 1, and that departure, that was, it was a, a dragging away, a tearing apart, you know. And so I looked it up. And this depart is different from that one. This depart means to depart. <laughs> to get out. To go aboard to go away, bon voyage, as Bugs Bunny would say. Bon voyage, don't forget to write. But it was a beautiful send-off. It wasn't as intense as the ones from Ephesus, but these guys had only known him for seven days, and there was this closeness. And guys, my heart... For, for people that, that, that maybe would come in here and be new, that you would have a bonding with people because you're in this place, because you call yourself Christians, that all of a sudden you are falling in love with one another because you're brothers and sisters in the Lord. Yeah. That, that, that when we are departing <laughs> from one another, that again, it's like it would be a, a beautiful departure that we wouldn't just like, oh, the last song's over, you know, and everybody's Gandhi, you know, everybody's like out of here. It's like the crickets are already singing. It's like, we just finished a minute ago. Because it was beautiful. It's a beautiful time to spend time together because you get to know one another. And man, you build bonds, you build relationships. And that's what we see here with Paul. That that's the kind of person he was. So it was a beautiful send-off. These people had fallen in love with Paul. And yet, I had thought, remember the time that he hurt them? 
to where he was persecuting them. And now there's this turnaround and there's this deep love for one another. Verses 7 through 14. It says, When we had finished our voyage from Tyre, they went to Ptolemais, greeted the brethren and stayed there one day. And then the next day, the, Paul's companions and them, they departed and they came to Caesarea to the house of Philip the evangelist. And they stayed there for seven days. Or, or they, they stayed there for a while, but he was one of the seven. It seems like they had finished, even though these towns were coastal, it seems like they had started on, on through land because they had finished their voyage. But they ended up in Caesarea. And in Caesarea is where they stayed before they headed off inland. I don't know if you guys remember, but Cornelius, back in chapter 10 of Acts, was from Caesarea. He was a Gentile. He was a Roman centurion. And he had come through to the Lord through Peter, where the Lord just began to open up the doors for the, for the Gentiles. And even though Cornelius is not mentioned here, Philip is. And more than likely, Philip had been in Caesarea now for about 20 years. The church has probably been around for about 25, closer to 30 years at this time that we're reading. But Philip had a heart for evangelism to go out. And he ended up landing in Caesarea and it became his headquarters. Now this must have been an interesting meeting. I'm sure Saul or Paul and Philip had not formally met, but they knew who each other was or were. Maybe Philip more so than than Paul. You see, we are reminded that Philip was one of the seven who was chosen in chapter 6 of Acts to be a deacon, to be one who served tables and took care of the widows. He was a good friend of Stephen, the first martyr. And it tells us back in in that portion of chapter 8 that Saul... Paul, who was then Saul, consented to the death of Stephen. Now Paul is staying at Philip's house. And I thought, wow, Lord. Look look, Look at what a difference salvation makes. Only God can truly pull something like this off. I I, I don't know if, if, if it was awkward when Saul came in or when Paul came in and Philip looked at him and thought, you're the one that killed my friend. You're the one that was a part of all that. And now you're in my house. But I'm sure he had heard of the conversion of, of Saul that became Paul and, and knew about all that Paul was doing. And maybe when he walked in, all those things that had happened in the past were gone. And he embraced him and he accepted him as a brother. Not holding anything, uh, you know, holding them, holding anything against him. I even doubt that they even brought it up. But this is a great example of how it should be within the church. 
we all come from different places. We all come from different backgrounds, from different cultures. And none of those things that we were in the world needs to be inside the church. All those things need to be forgotten. All those things need to be outside the church so that we cannot have division within the church. It would be sad. It would be a bummer if, if, if people from different neighborhoods or different cities or, or however different gangs came in and all of a sudden we have a gang fight in here because they're from that side of the, the tracks and you're from that. It's like, man, oh man, that is outside these walls. When, when we become Christians, all those things are put away. I just thought as I was reading this, how was this meeting? It doesn't tell us. And because it doesn't tell us, it must have been sweet. (laughs) It must have been just like another brother, another sister in, in the body. And the fellowship that happened. It tells us that that Philip had four daughters, all of whom had the gift of prophecy. The gift of prophecy in in 1 Corinthians 14.3 is speaking edification, exhortation, and comfort. That is the gift of prophecy. But the word that is used here in the Greek means to foretell events, divine, speak under inspiration, exercise the prophetic office. And so this is possibly what Peter talked about on the day of Pentecost, when he says, in quoting the prophet Joel, it says, but this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel, and it shall come to pass in the last days, says the Lord, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, on your sons and your daughters. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. The young men shall see visions. Your old old men shall dream dreams. And on my manservants and on my maidservants, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they shall prophesy. And so it says that as they stayed there many days, a certain prophet named Agabus showed up. Now, Agabus had already been mentioned in Acts uh, 11. And at that time, it says that prophets came down from, from Jerusalem to Antioch, and Agabus was one of those, so it's quite possible that, that he had met Paul before. And back then it says that that Agabus stood up and showed by the Spirit that there was going to be a great famine throughout all the world. And here it tells us that he grabs um, Paul's belt and begins to bind himself up. And it almost seems like Agabus is into interpretive prophecy. (laughs) Although he did speak in this one. I thought, man, maybe he was a mime. I don't know. Um Once again, Paul is being dissuaded from going to Jerusalem. And again, I think it's from well-meaning brothers and sisters that didn't want Paul to get hurt. Now, some might think that there was some kind of contradiction here. Was Paul supposed to go to Jerusalem or not? Was, Was it the Lord leading him to Jerusalem or was it his own pride leading him to Jerusalem? I don't see a contradiction at all here. If anything, I see confirmation from the brothers in Tyre and from these guys here in Caesarea. I think it's confirmation of what the Lord had already showed him. And that Paul was being persuaded 
by God and not, ba- uh, not, not man. Turn, turn back one page or one chapter. In chapter 20, verses 22 to 24, this is what Paul shares with the Ephesian elders. He says, And see now, I go bound in the Spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testified, testifies in every city, saying that chains and tribulations await me, but none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself, so that I may finish my race with joy and the ministry which I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify of the gospel of the grace of God. Now let's read what it says in verse chapter 21, beginning in verse 11, once again. And when he had come to us, and we, when he had come to us, he took Paul's belt, bound his own hands and feet, and said, "This thus says the Holy Spirit, so shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man who owns this belt and deliver him into the hands of the uh, of the Gentiles." Now, when we heard these things, both we and those of that place pleaded with him not to go up to Jerusalem. Then Paul answered. What do you mean by weeping and breaking my heart? For I am ready not only to be bound, but also to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I think that this was total confirmation that he was on the right track of what he was supposed to be doing. I don't think there was any, uh, any contradiction at all. The Lord had already prepared Paul for what was ahead of him, for what was going to happen in Jerusalem. And Paul would have been wrong to listen to those brothers and not go to Jerusalem. He would have, been, he, he, he would have not been obedient in what he had been called to do. Now, God has surrounded us with good and godly counsel in His Word. And we should surround ourselves with a multitude of counselors, brothers and sisters in our lives. God will always speak to us through His Word. And He can and will use people. But if you're not reading your Word regularly, on on, on a regular basis, and only listening to people, even with their best intentions... You will be listening to man and not to God. I meant that if you are reading your word regularly, if you are reading your word regularly, on a regular basis, then then again, you need to listen to what the word of God, because this will be the final, final arbiter. This is, this is the, 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 the final one here. If you are reading on a regular basis, then do what the Word says. I don't care what I say. I don't care what somebody else says. If the Lord has shown you through His Word and He has confirmed it, do what the Word says. But, if you are not reading your Word regularly, Because I think the, the question might be asked, how, when do we know if we are to, if it is God or is this me or, or, or when do I listen to others? 
And again, I would say that if you're making a habit of, of reading regularly and, and you've been known to make godly decisions on a regular basis, again, you listen to God. But if you're not reading your word regularly and have been known to not make godly choices, godly decisions, pure decisions, then seek out godly people who will be a voice of reason in your life. Because if you already have a track record and you say, well, I just came to Christ and God told me this, it's like, yeah, be careful. <laughs> I, I totally believe that Paul, because of his closeness to the Lord, he took what the people were saying to him, but he already knew what the Lord had revealed to him. Now, if Paul was not close to God, he should have listened to the people, <laughs> Because he wasn't making wise choices. But that wasn't Paul at all. And I guess what I'm getting at is Paul understood the consequences of what was before him. He had already sought the Lord in all of this. And so he was right on in continuing to go to Jerusalem. Even though these brothers were saying, don't go. But when people are not in their word regularly and they continue to make wrong choices then you're going to have to listen to some of the people that might be in the Word daily. And they're encouraging you. And they're telling you, giving you godly scripture and God, or godly counsel. Again, I, I, would, I would say you need to be in the Word yourself. You need to know what God has persuaded you of. Oh, we are to surround ourselves with a multitude of counselors. That's what, that's what the Word says. But if you're not making wise choices on a regular basis, then seek out godly counsel, people. Don't go at it alone. I think for Paul, it wasn't foolishness to, to go. It was obedience. And it's quite possible that the, that the brothers had every great intention of protecting Paul. But they finally understood because they finally said, the will of the Lord be done. Because Paul was, he was aware of what was happening and what was going to happen when he got there. And I guess what I want to end with is there's times when you are seeking the Lord and God is speaking to you through His Word and God is asking you to do things that maybe people won't understand <laughs> and they will try to talk you out of it. But if you are in His Word regularly, if you are making godly choices, you, we are not here to please man. We are here to please God. And sometimes people won't understand it. And if there's people that are telling you <laughs> not to do something, but you've been in the Word, listen to them, take it back to the Lord, and if He continues to confirm it, then you do what the Word says. You do what the Lord says, guys. I want to encourage you, be in the Word. 
so that when you're making decisions, it's not by yourself, it's because the Lord is confirming from the smallest decisions to the biggest decisions. Seek the Lord. That's what Paul was doing all along. And I just thought it was, it was ironic that twice, in two different places, he has been told not to go, and yet he knew he was supposed to go. And so people might not always understand, but be obedient, bottom line. Amen? Let's pray. Father in heaven, once again, we thank you and praise you for your word. We thank you, Lord God, for the example that Paul has given us here. Lord, to be able, Lord God, to, to move forward, to continue with what you had ministered to him about, even though uh, dear brothers and sisters were, were trying to talk him out of it, Lord. I thank you, Lord God, that we never hear of him coming against them or anything like that, Lord God, except that, Lord, he knew what you had called him to do and he was willing to lay down his life. He knew, Lord God, that things would happen and he was still willing to be obedient, Lord. Father, I'm sure it would have been easier for him not to, but Lord, you had called him to go. And Lord, give us wisdom in our decision making. Lord, that as we seek your face, Lord, you would speak to us through your word, that you would confirm it, Lord, even from others. But Father, if we are making foolish decisions, I pray that, God, we would seek counsel from others, Lord, people that, that have been close to you, that you would encourage and show us, Lord God, those people. And I thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness. And I thank you for your word. Go with us now, we ask. In Jesus' name, amen. Guys, if you need prayer for anything, please come on up for prayer. Don't leave without getting prayer. God bless you guys.